What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Crane Kicks Lex Podcast. It's been a little bit of an extended time since you last heard from me. Uh, this uh, beginning of the year sicknesses that go around schools, one of them finally got me, put me down for a little bit, but that's okay. I'm back, bounce back, got my immune system prepped and ready to go for the rest of the year, um, and hopefully we'll make it without any more of those. But I'm here to talk about some recent news with LSC, obviously the games and results that we've had, and then in particular, uh, talk with a special guest that's joining me, Kyle Piercy. So many of you guys probably know of Kyle from uh, being around the club. He was our marketing and communications director, and now he's joining me on the pod. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tyler. Uh, And I know that you've been under the weather a little bit, but just like you know, just like our club here, uh, you got to take some licks and uh, figure out a way to bounce back, you know? That's right. All it takes is a few saltines and you're back on track. <laughs> <laughs> we could have used a couple saltines last night, but I'm sure we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Kyle, man, you were actually my very first interview with anybody with the club ever when I started doing this way back feels like forever ago even though it really hasn't been that long and uh interview was actually just in written format because i wasn't potting back then um but you're the first one to meet up with me and kind of give me some insights and um it feels weird because now like it's a little bit of a full circle moment and and here we are um so i don't know it feels feels cool to have you back on here well i appreciate that tyler um you know, just, I know we don't, people don't want to listen to just us complimenting each other a bunch, but, um, your continued, you know, coverage of the team, um, and your dedication through it's a long season. Like, I think that's one thing that a lot of folks are learning is, um, you really need to be consistent and that goes obviously for the team, but also when it comes to coverage of the team, um, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of work, uh, especially when the results aren't there, it makes it a little bit more difficult, maybe a little bit less enjoyable, so your continued coverage, your expanding into this space, podcasting and all that, I think is great. Um, that's the type of kind of grassroots coverage, I think, that this type of team needs. And so obviously we weren't uh, we weren't paying you anything and haven't been paying you anything, but your, um, I guess, contribution to helping us out from the external communication side uh, was invaluable for sure. And, and I know it continues to be as well. So I'm very excited. Uh, that, you know, when I left the club and approached you about possibly doing some um, contributing in a few different ways, um, I was I was obviously excited to to hear you say that, you know, you could welcome me back and um, now I can kind of stay connected to the team. Absolutely, man. And, and honestly, I couldn't have done what I have done if it wasn't for people like you in the club that really helped me get access where I needed access and then just just have those opportunities to be near the team in moments that allowed me to get a little bit more insight and be able to have things to talk about you know again and that was this huge because otherwise it's just kind of you know I'm an outside looking in situation and I was able to go beyond that so it's it's Massive, like you said, nobody wants to hear us sit here and just compliment each other for thirty <laughs> minutes or something. But it was a great you know, show. You were, you were a big part of it, man. Um, and and I really appreciate everything that you did all throughout that time. So of course, it's been awesome to to have you reach out to me and say that you wanted to be involved. I can't wait to to partner with you. Um, you know, there's some some cool stuff coming. I don't know. Should I spoil one of the cool things? 
go for it. I'm not even sure what you're about to spoil. So I'm, I'm the thing you like shared with me today. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. yeah okay. I, I, I didn't know if I should do like a, a crazy out of nowhere reveal or not. So um, Kyle actually helped me out. We're going to be doing some rebranding with the logo and just kind of the brand in general. So things are going to look a little bit more cohesive, I guess, as opposed to something that a um, school librarian used Canva <laughs> to put together <laughs> in his, in his limited free time. But um, I'm really excited. I'm looking to have that new branding rolling out to you guys here before too long. And like I said, Kyle helped me out with that. Did an amazing job. It, I'm really, really psyched for you guys to see the new logo. Uh, I think it is hot lava. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I will say, you know, in my role as director, uh, especially once the season got rolling, I really had to take a little bit of a step back on the creative side. That's kind of where I cut my teeth was doing a lot of the um, creative work. Obviously my background is, uh, from a, you know, at least in college, I studied broadcast journalism. So I've done video, I've done writing, graphic design and all that. And, you know, with the club for better or worse, it just, you kind of get to the point where, um, you're not able to do as much of that, not able to take as many pictures or, um, you know, work on as many different creative sides of things that you want. Of course, I think we hired a really stellar team, um, to do those roles. So, uh, yeah. We haven't we haven't necessarily been lacking from a club standpoint, but personally myself, um, not being able to do some of that stuff has been, you know, it was kind of a bummer in a little bit of, uh, in in some ways. But you know, now I get to to come back and and do a little bit of that with you, and you know, when we when we talked about kind of partnering up, obviously, or or I guess me being more of a you know contributor, um, you know, part of the reasoning selfishly from my standpoint was just to stay part of this kind of story. And I think one of the things that we focused on this first year was storytelling and you can only do the inaugural season one time. I never envisioned, yeah. I never envisioned leaving the club um, in the middle of a season that, you know, I, if you would have told me that even at the beginning of the summer, I would have thought you were crazy, but you know, life happens, opportunities come up that you can't envision. And, Long story short, um, you know, I, I had a chance to to take on a different role, but um, this team really is special. And I think that you know that, and I think the folks listening to this podcast know that or maybe can sense it a little bit, but the mm -hmm. the players on the team, the coaching staff, the front office, I mean, it's it's um it's a it's been a great team to work with and work for. And, you know, obviously not everything's gonna be um, sunshine and rainbows and we had to do a little mm -hmm. rose rose colored lenses from a internal media standpoint so maybe we can be a little bit more critical now that we're uh, that I'm on the mm -hmm. sidelines so to speak but um, <laughs> you know I think there's been so many challenges that this team faced and not like before the team was even formed right like whether it's zoning issues or you know I, I mean I can run down the list of of things yeah. that have given the club and our president, especially a, um, you know, heartburn over the last year. But um, it's because of folks like yourself and the fans listening that, you know, can, can really continue the progression that this team has. Cause obviously fans are the only thing that keep these things going. And that's exactly a lot of my sentiment of what you just said. You can only have that inaugural season once. And I feel you know, that's where my uh, unrelenting positivity comes from is I'm just like, okay, 
yes, I I would love. Oh my, oh my gosh, I would love it if we would just crush every team, win at year one with all these people nobody's heard of, and then just be like, look, look what we did. But more than that, it's just about enjoying this experience as it is right now. We'll have plenty of years, hopefully, to to gripe or celebrate or whatever happens, depending on the year and the situation. And I feel like this is one of those ones where I just cannot waste it being anything but positive about the fact that I've got pro sure. soccer here and now. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm super glad that you want to stay a part of that. And you have been a huge, huge part of that in its beginnings. And like you said, there's been so many different things and challenges that have come up that have had to be worked through and you had to wear a lot of hats. Right. So I don't know, you know, people that may have read the initial interview that I had mm-hmm. with you might have a little bit uh, of information on you, or maybe they've just met you out and about or seen you in some capacity. But when you were with the club, like what exactly was your role? Can you kind of describe that for people? Like what types of things were you in charge of and or doing? Sure. Yeah, man. It, um, like you said, we were running pretty lean, still are running pretty lean. I'm going to, I'm going to say we, obviously I'm not with the club anymore. It's just kind of a habit. So I'll, I'll, I'll try Hard to have it to break. <laughs> yeah. But the, the club was running pretty lean. Um, you know, when I got on board in April of 22, the number of full-time staffers could be counted on one hand, maybe two. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you had some people doing still some of their other jobs and then helping out uh, with the club. But you know, as director of marketing and communications, I was in charge of promotion um, of the club in any manner you could think of. Obviously, given the budget constraints and some other issues, we really tried to stick to a lot of the efficient kind of lean, um, quick hitting type of marketing strategies around social media. Um, and, you know, a big thing for me was uh, the visual branding of the club and also mm-hmm. the visual storytelling of the club. So making sure our photography and videography and graphics and all that were on point. So I oversaw all of that, oversaw the uh, social media until, until January of this year, I was the only one doing any of those things. Uh, so that was, um, <laughs> that was quite something, but like I said, yeah. they've got a pretty good team now, but you know, so it was a lot of it was social website updates, um, you know, outside of the digital world. Um, I was in charge of, a lot of actually stuff on the youth side too, which I know what we might kind of dabble in a little bit, but um, yeah. helping the helping the youth side kind of in terms of organization and communication and making sure that, you know, the families that were involved in our club felt a value. And I know that the first year was, you know, there were ups and downs in that area too. So, I mean, I, that that's really big picture view. The day-to-day mm-hmm. was everything from making sure you know, our sponsors, the right sponsors were on the video board or, yeah. <laughs> you know, making sure that the PA script was done, did all that, um, put together the run of show and, and things like that. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of stuff. It was all over the place. Um, but that's what makes athletics fun. If anyone out there listening has worked in athletics at any level, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's every, no two days are the same. Um, there's always some kind of fire that needs to be put out, but at the end of the day, you get to work in sports. And so that's, that's the bright side. Again, that's very big, big picture. Um, you know, I, I hope that I did a decent enough job at, at those items, but I know it's, um, like I said, we had some ups and downs. Yeah. Well, I think it's important for people to hear that too, though, because I think sometimes, and this isn't 
you know, bashing anybody's view. Like sometimes, you know, because I'm one of those people before I actually got involved with you all. Not everybody understands like all the different pieces at play when we're talking about a, a pro sports team and how many times somebody has to pick up several different things and put it on their mm -hmm. plate. I mean, I remember there was one time that you were like doing some announcing <laughs> whenever yeah. I was up in the media box, yeah. you know, and I was just like, what's happening right now? You know, and, and there's just a lot there. And as you've already said, whenever you're running with a little bit of a lean staff, a lot of people have to wear several different hats. And so I think sometimes people think there's just one person dedicated to like, Oh, I'm running the Instagram and that's my only right. job. Or, you know, like, hi, I'm here to just, you know, put the fonts on things. And that's just yeah. not the nature of the beast. And, you know, like you said, there's probably people out there listening that do know <laughs> they've yeah. fully known they've been in those situations. And so it takes a lot to bring all this stuff together in a cohesive way, especially in year one, when you're trying to get people invested and people to feel like this is a quality product, not just player and, and, and professionally as far as soccer wise, but more on the scope of an organization. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel like, you know, you guys have done a great job along the way, you know, obviously I talked to a lot of the media team and I know that they take a lot of pride in what they do and trying to, to pump things out. And I know they get super psyched every time somebody, you know, makes a post and they're like, our media teams fire, our media yeah. teams on point again. <laughs> and, you know, those are those cool boosts that like, they love that stuff. And I know, you know, they appreciate that because I mean, they put a lot of work into this. And I do know that, I mean, from my, you know, humble opinion, we had some of the best, um visual branding and media team type of posts in usl league one obviously i've always tried to kind of punch above my weight so our goal was to to not really compare ourselves with league one but to see what championship and mls teams are doing as well so um you know I, i'd like to brag a little bit on our team but you know going back to something you said about getting everything organized a lot of it <clears throat> excuse me is um is, is a level of professionalism that i think mm -hmm. we have have tried to reach and i think you know being at a temporary location um has hurt that a little bit obviously you're you're going to be at a temporary location no matter what but there there are certain there are certain things that we have tried to do to to really raise the quality because when you go to a, a match we didn't want people to think or feel like it wasn't a professional soccer match right and so mm -hmm. i think a lot of the things we did really well some of the things maybe not as well. And some of the, a lot of it was out of our control. So, um, yeah. but game days especially were, you know, okay, who's, who's supposed to design and print the credentials. Okay. Well, I'm doing that. Who's supposed to, you know, design the field boards and lay them out. Okay. I'm, I'm also doing that. So, I mean, it's, you know, you start taking off the list and you realize there's not that many people, um, around to help. And, and honestly too, what I like to tell, a lot of folks because they just might not know is these same issues and struggles that Lexington sporting club has gone against uh, other clubs have the exact same issues. Um, I, you know, mm -hmm. I have a high school buddy that works in a comms role at Louisville city. He could fill an hour podcast with the struggles they've had. So, you know, I, I get if someone's kind of down on, well, it's not the atmosphere we wanted or it's not the this and that, but it just, it takes time. And there's, you know, I think yeah. that's just, um, it's part of it. And so I would just tell folks to hang in there and um, good things are coming, better things. Yeah. I mean, the, the clubs had no qualms about 
being up front and saying like we are going to have a stadium we are going to have amenities mm-hmm. worthy of a pro soccer team and especially when we think about our super league getting ready to, yep. to start up i mean that's going to be you know d1 like, i mean that's going to be top tier and so you have to have top tier facilities in those cases. And, uh, you know, there's just not going to be any skimping and it's, it's a situation where you just kind of have to grin and bear it. But I really don't think that it's a matter of bearing it. I feel like for our situation compared to a lot of other clubs in the league, we weren't that bad off. Like I, hmm. I've been fine with George. <laughs> like, I mean, I know there's it, of course, nice the, venue. yeah. And, and I, you know, I always have a little bit of trouble. I get it, but I always have a little bit of trouble when everybody's biggest gripe is like, well, I can't have a beer while I'm watching the game. And I'm like, but you yeah. will, like you will, that's yeah. going to come. And you know, there's, there's things around that you can work through, you know, <laughs> so there's always I, a little. And, right. And I hope too, cause there's so many times and maybe now, now is the time I can air a lot of this is the amount of times I wanted to send a tweet from the official account. That's just, <laughs> you know, do you think we don't want, do you think we don't want to sell beer? Like, do, do you think that, we haven't asked these questions of Georgetown. Do you think, you know, all, all these things, it's like, do you really think we yeah. wanted to wait until a month before our season, before announcing where we were going to play? Uh, do you yeah. really think, you know, we, we didn't want to be downtown for our, like, you know, there's a lot of in credit to our ownership because they always want to, you know, some, I think some teams owners are a little bit more cavalier with their language and their, you know, how they approach things. And, um, yeah. you know, ownership of Lexington SC just doesn't operate that way. They, you know, they're, they're going to take the high road and as many, um, opportunities as they can. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, it's going to take time, but, yeah. um, I, I kind of, I believe in the team that's, that's there. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's easier to, to have those moments where you're like, okay, I'm just going to like hold my tongue because when you know what's going to come, when you know mm-hmm. the end goal and that that is a reachable end goal, I think it's pretty easy to sit back and be like, it's cool because once everybody sees this end product, like everybody's going to be happy. <laughs> we're going to be, yep. we're going to be okay. And uh, we'll, we'll get there. You know, like you said, it's just, it's just, it's par for the course when you're starting up, whenever you're brand new and getting your feet wet in something like this. And, you know, there are so many different things to try and get right. Not everybody's going to be happy with every single thing that you put together just because you know, there are limitations. There are things that yeah. are out of your control, especially in the, the very first year that smooth out with time, you know, it, especially if you have people invested and people that are actually willing to put in that work, that effort, those resources, which like you said, I feel like we do, but it's uh, you know, it's always interesting to have that little bit of insight into that stuff because mm-hmm. I don't know that everybody always does, you know, and then, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to always <laughs> convey what what's out there and what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously there's some of those reasons are because legally you can't say something, right. If it's a, you know, city yeah. council issue or, um, yeah. it, or sometimes it's just a, a principal thing where you're like, you know, we're not going to be dragged down to, to these levels to, you know, to start bickering with, people online. And, and that was a big part of my job too. And it's, that's, I always tried to explain to like our president and our ownership is that like, I, we are literally the tip of the spear. So anything that is spewed online like that, we get that I get notifications. Yeah. Right. So um, it yeah. could be a lot. Anyone that's worked in social media can tell you, but um, you know, I, I just, I hope that the, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of kind of challenges that are outside of our control 
Um, I do hope that the ones that are in the club's control continue to be handled, um, you know, accordingly. And I, I think for the most part, the club's got a pretty good batting average when it comes to making certain decisions. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully the results on the pitch can, can sort of mirror that as we continue to move forward. Yeah, 100%. You know, and then, of course, you always had to deal with, like, my text as well, like bashing you all the like time. Privately. You can't escape those. Right. Just, you come I tried to mute. I tried to mute you. And then, you know, my brother's name is Tyler. So I, yep. I just muted Tyler's on in my phone, on social media. Um, yep. You know, I think but it just comes with the territory. So, you know, we put fun up with fact, a lot. Well, fun fact, my name's not even Tyler. I just knew your brother's name was Tyler. So you couldn't yeah. mute me. So I just, this was a long con for 34 years, man. It's worked. It's, <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's, it's cool, man. And no matter what, I know it was a hard decision for you to leave the club, um, but opportunities come and you got to take them when they do come. And at the end of the day, it's always what's good for you and your family. And you know, that I'm happy for you, man. I'm, I miss you in that role, <laughs> but I'm extremely excited to have you in this new role with me kind of working through some of this stuff and, and joining yeah. me on this journey because that that's cool, man. I was kind of like, I was geeking out a little bit, whatever you told me you wanted to help out in some ways. I was yeah. like, okay, this is, this is rad. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, and I've talked to my wife a lot about this too. And, and in my new position, you know, I'm still in the communications world, but I'm not in athletics. And so it's, there's a little bit of a, there's still that kind of itch, you know, that, that, that you need to scratch every once in a while. And that's not a, um, you know, it's not like, obviously something that appealed to me in the long term in terms of like, Hey, what, where's your life going to go and what kind of job are you going to take? And I wanted to stay in, in communications. Um, I, I found that I think I'm more of a fan, you know, I was in athletics, I was in the communications world for 10 years in athletics. And I think personally, right. Like your priorities change and your yeah home, home circumstances change. And so, um, yeah. so the ability to still have this outlet, um, this vehicle to kind of, be creative, you know, talk some soccer, some football, sorry, um, with a team that I, you know, this is, I mean, you know, I'm a big, like I'm a big Colts fan, right. In the NFL. And yeah, but I I don't really have the same need to kind of get this deep into like a, you know, Colt. there's plenty of, you know, I'll I'll listen to a Colts podcast here and there, whatever, but this is a club that I feel like is more my own. And I think you can feel that way in Lexington in general. So it's like, it's different, right. It makes it, feel a little bit different. And so this opportunity is great. And I'm just, you know, hopefully I, I know you and I have talked a little bit. I don't know how much, you know, we've shared with the uh, quote unquote fans and outside world, but um, I'm, I'm excited for some of the stuff we've talked about to, to bring to the table. hundred percent agree, man. I, I can't wait. And I'm with you on that. I've actually mentioned it in a podcast prior that, you know, for as big of a Vikings fan I am and how much I'm into like Everton and all that, it's just, it doesn't hit the same because I'm not mm-hmm. there. I'm not, I'm not in the mix. And, you know, I tell somebody down here, I'm a Vikings fan and then 40 Packers fans pop out of nowhere. And they're like, <laughs> do you know, we like the Packers. And I'm like, why? And they're like, just because, and I'm like, okay, well anyway, and then, you know, you're kind of on your own, but then whenever you have something like this here, and yeah. I think a lot of people can, can appreciate it, you know, cause we have obviously a ton of UK fans that are listening. It's kind of that same vibe. It's like, it's yours. But in, yeah. a, in a different way, because it's not necessarily because you went to school there and it's like now I have to yeah. cheer for them. It's just you, you can choose to. Um, and it's here and it's part of the community. And um, mm-hmm. I'm ready, man. 
So what do you say now that we've gotten people to get to know you a little bit more, we pivot into um, some of our match results and what's going on with the season. Sure. We only have six games left. That's wild to me. Six. I <laughs> you're, feel like you're telling me just, just like flew by, dude. Like only know, three I, home matches. I know. I, I remember driving down to Knoxville for that first match. Just, yeah. you know, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, we're going to beat the snot out of these guys. And then, and then the next second you're like, man, I hope we can, we look like we belong. Right. And so it was like, <laughs> uh, that, that was 25 matches ago. It's crazy. I, yeah, I can't even believe it, dude. And I'm actually, aside from the home matches that I'm going to go to, I'm going to make it out to Greenville for the final match. And uh, awesome. so that way I can cap it off, do the the first and the last for the season. And I talked my wife into it and we started looking at hotel prices and she was like, so is this like your birthday and your Christmas? And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but sure. it's all that library money I'm making now. No, I know, man. <laughs> but I, know. I, I, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, we've had, uh, what, three games since I last recorded an episode. I don't think I'll take us super far back. Obviously, the, the third game, third to last, I guess, would have been the Richmond win that we had, which um, mm-hmm. Richmond obviously been uh, floundering a little bit. I don't want to linger on it too much because it'll it'll just make me start fuming. Yeah. Um, not at not at the guys, but at the situation. But I do want to address that Greenville match. I just gotta say, like, I don't know how many people feel this way, but I feel like that was some of the slickest soccer we've played in a long time, especially in that first 20 to 25 minute yeah. range. Like the people around me couldn't believe the way that passes were just connecting. Yep. And not like traditional safe passes like we were talking like there was flair with every single movement and there was no slowing down and like that first 20 minutes made me just feel like we are going to hammer them and yeah honestly yeah <laughs> it, no i sorry to cut you off and that was actually you're good first, that was the first match that my wife had gone to so you yeah. know she's she's like this is the team you work for and it's you know it's like yeah it was <laughs> no big deal but uh it was kind of a big part of this no um yeah. <laughs> Um, chose the guys. Yeah, just I, actually, you know. <laughs> yeah, I actually scouted that. Uh, you see that big number fourteen over there? Um, <clears throat> but I would say, it, you know, in all seriousness, you'd have to go back to that late July match against Union <clears throat> Omaha. Excuse me, the th- to find a match that we looked, you know, so in control and so um, like the class of the two teams on the pitch. Um, I mean, everything was working in our favor. I think. It, it, you know, it's not that we probably should have scored four or five goals. I don't even think that necessarily, but um, to come away with that, <laughs> with one point, the way it happened, uh, the gut punch, I mean, it was, you know, I was feeling it all the way home and uh, the next day waking up almost like, how did this happen? Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's part of, that's part of soccer. It's, it's, you know, I grew up playing baseball and they say that's a game of inches, but soccer more than anything is, I mean, in this team seen it more than, probably our fair share of this year is one tiny mistake. <laughs> one little teeny mistake can erase 89, you know, plus minutes of soccer. So that was just a, a gut punch, but um, those are the ones that you like to say you learn from, but obviously we're running out of runway here. Yeah. And I feel like that one's also just a tough one because I don't know, it's, it's easy to be like, man, if we had just not made that final mistake mm-hmm. and, but I, I, I just have to say it's just over time, eventually you're kind of playing the odds. 
Like there, there's at a certain point, something becomes an eventuality. And mm-hmm. I mean, they were outpacing us on shots and, and shots on target and stuff. It's just, we had control for so long. We were just controlling the pace. We were controlling their chances. We were controlling their movements. And it just felt like we were just kind of puppeteers on the field for yep. a huge portion of that. And I, I always hate being this person, but I feel like league one is turning me into this person. I, I just feel like it is, but I, I was just complimenting the referee in the match. Like me and a few of the people around me were like, you know, it's actually been pretty good this time. Like there's been yeah. consistency. It's been equitable. Like everybody's getting called for their stuff, no matter which team. And then that final 20 minutes, I just felt like anything, anything we mm-hmm. did, like it was just automatic, like foul. <clears throat> and, and it didn't matter how intense it was. And then I'm still being driven crazy by how there were seven minutes added to the end of the match. Yeah. I, I yeah. cannot account for seven, five. Yeah, I can give you five. I can give you five. That's that's doable. But the seven minutes, and then even coming here and then watching bits of it at home and seeing it go to like almost ninety-eight minutes, and I was just like, oh well, my yeah, gosh! I think it was the ninety-eighth technically when the when they scored, and yeah. Um, yeah, that was tough. I mean, that's one that you know. Again, my wife was there. She's not the biggest sports fan or soccer fan, certainly, mm-hmm. but. It's like, man, it seems like a long time. He had one goal, not too many injuries really. But, you know, back yeah. to your point about officiating, and this is, I guess, something now that I could say um, that I'm on the outside is, I'll, uh, you know, I remember on the first broadcast call we had of the year, you know, coaches do broadcast calls usually two days before the match uh, with the producer and the talent of whichever, whoever's doing the upcoming match, right? And so yeah, that's why if you're, if you're ever watching a game on TV and they're like, you know, coach was talking about this and that, it's because they do his production calls. And so – um, right. The, and, and Sam Stockley, you know, he had had broadcasting experience. And so uh, yeah. when he was with NCFC. Right. So, well, you know, we get the call and, and I'm sitting in the room with him during this um, production call. And, you know, they're old friends. I guess they knew each other from back when, when Sam was doing his own broadcasting. And, you know, essentially it was, um, you know, I won't say who it was. But it was like, Sam, I'll tell you, you know the biggest complaint we got last year from coaches was the officiating. Like it's, you think you're at the pro level and, and, you know, I'm, I'm personally not a, I'm a guy that doesn't think refs can beat good teams, but man, there's been some this year that are, um, they try, you know, <laughs> yeah, they try. I, and I, I really don't like, I, I don't like being that kind of piling it on the, the refs, but, um, it's, there's been some that have been tough this year to say the least. And, um, you know, I think last Friday was was an example of that with the seven minutes. I don't know where that came from. Um, There was a couple – there was actually a couple instances when when Khalid Balagoon was trying to kind of kill some of the clock, um, you know, down in the corner. And there was one one play that went off of the um, Greenville player, and they, you know, the the assistant ref did it. Yeah. Yeah, And I saw that one. (laughs) And, and, you know, Khalid, of course, gave him a look like, come on, man. And – in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, maybe that adds a few, you know, minutes or I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's tough, but um, I hope that, you know, I don't become the guy on the podcast that starts complaining about refs, but that first story from the very first week, you know, I'll never forget that for sure. I know, man. And, and like I said, I try and stay away from it, but sometimes I just get pulled in because some of them are just so like, like, Oh my gosh. And I always try and ground myself and say, okay, even if that's the case, 
Like we still, it was in our hands. It was in our hands to stop that Absolutely. from going down the way it did. Yeah. And so I always try and reground myself and say that. And this isn't me trying to like blame anybody on the team, but it's it's like we have to rise up to the challenge. So if, if calls yeah. aren't going our way, we have to overcome that with our play style and whatever it is that we're doing. And sometimes it's a tough go of it, you know. And and of course, if we had won, I probably wouldn't complain as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's you know eye of the beholder type of situation. Yeah. Um, but man, that was, that was heartbreaking. That was one of those ones that was like a big time gut punch. And I know you, like it was, it was also tough too, because we didn't end up doing the interviews afterwards. Like we always do. And I totally understood it. Like whatever, you know, Cole and them came and they were like, I don't know if tonight's a good night for, hmm. for interviews. I was like, I, I get, I get why. Cause the, the guys were fuming. And I think it's just yeah. that, that weight of if we had gotten those three points we would have been that much closer to actually being like okay we can make playoffs a possibility yeah. we would have been within six points i think of sixth place mm -hmm. and i mean that's that's doable with the stretch that we would have had left over but you know i i also just have to give credit to greenville though too because greenville they i don't know they just always find a way to make it happen and it's it's probably you know result of coaching consistency talents all the yeah. above um yeah, yeah, they're a plucky team. And th this it's crazy too. Like, I'm not sure I've ever, you know, been a fan of or a part of or you know just an observer of a league. And I've worked in Division Three. I've worked at Division Two. Went to D1. Obviously, fan of pro pro leagues. But this mm -hmm. league, unlike any other, seriously, is an any given night type of league. I mean, the talent discrepancy, the margins between teams is so thin. I mean, I know Central Valley's mm -hmm. had a rough year. But, yeah, and, you know, there's obviously some teams that have, you know, put in really s stellar years. We just played one of them um, Wednesday evening. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, at the same time, you've you've got the results against Hailstorm already, right, with the win. Probably should have been two wins. Um, yeah. And then and Union Omaha sitting in third place and, you know, having the three-nil victory against them. And Charlotte, you go on down the line with these teams that – are the class of the of the league, and you can look at an instance where Lexington outplayed them for an indicate. Any yeah. Now the the problem is those didn't all end up in wins, right? And that's where it can be mm -hmm. kind of the the tough parts. Even my NCFC, you know, currently as we're recording this, sitting on top of the the table, you know, we haven't played them super great, but you get a draw against them in one game, and um, you know, like I said, when you go down the list of, of teams that make up the standings. I mean, you're like, we've put in a, a, a solid match against every single one of them. And so, you know, the, the, that the, uh, I guess the possibilities there, and that's kind of the most frustrating part. But again, that's, I think that's soccer for you. And I think that's, you know, any team you follow in this game could have the same what ifs, you know? So it's just the way it goes. I think. You're hundred percent right, man. I, I know like, I've told people this before, but I'm immersed myself in the USL one stuff last year, just to try and get acclimated to the vibe of the league and see what's going on. And that's exactly how last year went. It was just chaotic. There, there were so many times where it was like, this team should win. And then they just get trounced. They, they get decimated. And then the next week they come back and then they rise back up and then everybody's up and down. And I, I will say like this year, I feel the top like four ish has been way more consistent than I remember last year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, people that have followed the league longer than me probably would say that there have been other years similar. 
I can't say for certain because, you know, I know the results at the end of all those other years, but not necessarily the flow throughout the season. But it's even chaotic year to year. Just a matter of like turnover, a matter of just other teams picking up somebody that's just a missing piece. I mean, Richmond's a perfect example. Last year, they they won out. They finished first before the playoffs even happened. Um, And then this year, they're trending to be bottom four, maybe bottom yep. three. And yeah. it, it, not a ton. I mean, there were changes, but you still have some of their key pieces uh, minus maybe a couple, but it just shows how much that makes a huge difference from year to year. Yeah. And three of the final four from last year are mm-hmm. on pace right now to miss the playoffs, including the eventual champion in Tormenta. But yeah, you yeah. mentioned Richmond and, um, Chattanooga too, like, yeah. you know, obviously with the coaching, you know, being the coach being let go there. So, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty chaotic league. I think it makes it really exciting, um, yeah. in a lot of ways, but boy, is it stressful when you're, <laughs> when you're cheering for a team that's, <laughs> that's just getting, you know, again, I don't want to be the, you know, ex- the Mr. Excuses, but it seems like on the wrong end of these 50, 50, breaks and uh, chances and games and matches and all that. It just seems to not break toward Lexington. But again, you you know, you are what your record says you are. And unfortunately we can't play all of our games at Toyota stadium. Cause if we did, we'd be the third best team in the league. Uh, and we just have not been able to figure out how to get a result on the road. And that has absolutely sunk this team. I don't know what, you know, the rhyme or reason is, but that's just been, you know, when you look at, I think three points um, total, on the road. Um, so that's, that's tough. That's tough to get through a season when you're playing like that. Um, uh, sorry, five points on the road, 23 at home. So, you know, it's, it's, um, that's kind of part of it too, I guess. I had a buddy actually text me last night after the game and he's like, what is it about us on the road? Like, why, why can we just not have that same, energy and output that we have at home and I don't know if it really is there's just some type of home field magic that just just overtakes the guys and they're there and the fans just amp them up that much more or what but it it is like it, it is concerning but I mean not not that it really matters much at this point though that we have so much trouble on the road just making things happen you know and, and I know that whatever we beat NOCO and had that comeback win, there mm-hmm. was actually a pretty solid amount of Lexington fans that went. I know like yeah. Kimball's family was there. And then yeah. um, Dylan, who, who's been on the pod with me and does the come on you greens, he was there with a buddy. And I think he said there's a few others. I think even like Drew Patterson's sister yeah. was there. So like there's plenty of Lexington fans and maybe that was the difference. I don't know, but I, it's like inexplicable at this point. Well, no, nobody has obviously like, I, I guess if you broke it down mile by mile, you could you could figure out, well, this team's got a shorter, but, you know, there's some tough road trips in this league. I mean, that's just the way it, it's yeah. spread out, especially when you go to play the Central Valleys and the, the you know, Northern Colorado and those teams. Um, and, you know, most of the, <clears throat> excuse me, most of these guys are, if they haven't been pros, they've played at a Division One level. So they, you would think there's a little bit of, you know, travel experience, but that, you know, you can't discount that fact either. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's a different lifestyle. It's not easy. Um, it's, you know, I've been on a few road trips and I, the first thing I think about when I get home is I'm glad I don't have to do that again next week. Well, these, a lot of these, you know, guys, obviously, if you're going on back-to-back weeks on the road and 
you know, it's a lot of planes and buses and, you know, just getting back to where, you know, you feel like you could compete at a high level. That could be part of it too. I mean, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons that they succeed more at home and that's probably one of them. And, you know, it's always more enjoyable to play in front of your fans and you're more familiar with the grounds and the, you know, the way the ball moves on the turf and football lines for us, which I know everybody loves. So (laughs) it's our home field field advantage. We got uh, our, our pitch is like probably two yards. Well, it was maybe four yards total, uh, uh, more narrow than most because of the way it's laid out. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all those little things I think play into it. But when you look at the totality of 23 points at home, five on the road, it's, it's, it's kind of shocking. And it's, um, you know, there's obviously something that's, it's not just chance, you know, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of, when you, you sit back and you think about it too, I, I think a lot of people just discount us because of our, our general standing, but it's like, man, if we could have just made some of those road mm-hmm. plays, like those road games work for us and play off of those to get some, some points, you know, whether it be three or one, a little bit more here and there, we'd be in a very different position right now. But, you know, like you said, sometimes there are like those solid factors, you know, just like, for instance, I'm sure that, you know, after they played last night, they're not coming home. I'm sure they're moving on to, to Central yeah, Valley. They'll go, they'll go straight to California from from Colorado. And that's and that's hard. Like you said, you're away yeah. from home for that long and you, you are undoubtedly outside of your routine. Even if you have like your kind of travel routine that you do, mm-hmm. it's not your home routine. And, you know, everybody that goes on trips knows when you come home from any trip, even if it's a good trip, you're always tired. It's, mm-hmm. it's never relaxing, whether it's for work or play or whatever. You're always exhausted from just the fact that you had to go somewhere else and do something outside of what you're used to doing. But yeah, it you know, maybe the future, the future, maybe, you know, it could be the opposite though. I mean, it's like Tormenta last year, they would decimate teams on the road and then they'd go home and they would never win. And so it just you know, happens. Soccer is a wacky enough sport that that could, that could be the case, you know, but there, there are times where, you know, the amount of times that we just, I, I think you, you look at the Tormenta match, you mentioned them, after that light two hour lightning delay when they came out and scored right away and we just got punched in the mouth and never responded. That's the only home match that I can really think that we were just, you know, severely outplayed and, and didn't belong yeah. on the pitch. Um, whereas when we're on the road, it's those type of matches seem to be a lot more frequent. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. And so, you know, last night, I can't lie, man. Like I'm, I'm a pretty hopeful person. But when we played Noco after they went up two on us, I got a little worried. I mean, I know we had our comeback, but that was one of those moments where I was just like, "Oh man, come on, we we can't do this." But it's not necessarily because I, I don't believe in the team, but it's like it's always weird, and I don't like claim to have some special, you know, insight or anything. But I always just feel like as soon as the match starts, within the first five minutes. I can usually tell what type of game it's going to be for us. Like there's always like a particular energy that the guys put off in a match that I know we're going to like take it to a team and Mm -hmm. make it just hell for them to do anything about us. And then other matches where it's like, we might have a slow start. And I feel like last night watching, I was like, okay, this might be a little bit of a long match for us. I don't know. Did, did you feel the same way about the beginning half or? Yeah, I did. And and that's something that has 
thankfully become more uh, and more infrequent are those slow starts. Cause that was like, I mean, when you looked at the first, I don't know, half a dozen or maybe a, a dozen or so matches, that was like what plagued this team was the slow yeah. start. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, Lexington scored second half goals and I think 17 of the 26 matches. So it's a team that, you know, we've seen the last few weeks, you don't want to play from behind, but it's a team that really has shown that they aren't uncomfortable playing from behind, obviously. Yeah. Don't want to make a habit of it, but um, you're right. Like you nailed it right on the head. It's just, you can almost tell, you could almost t- sense against NoCo on Wednesday that, you know, we weren't even going to get the chances. Right. And that's where it's like connecting mm-hmm. when you're breaking the line from midfield to the final third, where it's like, I mean, we went, I don't, I'm not sure how long we went last night without a chance to actually get something that resembled a, a, an opportunity to score. Um, whereas some matches we come out and, you know, whether it's a test kind of peppering the goal early or at least making some good runs and you got Robertson and Nico, you know, making some pinpoint pass, you could kind of feel like they're on the front foot. Right. And then yeah, sometimes you're like, you know, do we have enough coffee today or do we need like, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> And it definitely seemed to be the case last night. It was like we would stall out as soon as we even approached that attacking third. When, mm-hmm. when we get there, it was just like something wasn't happening. Because like the whole first half, I think the only shot on goal we had was technically from Charlie. Because I, I don't yeah. think that they counted like the Atis, like one where he comes in and heads it in and he was offside. But yeah. if you count that, the shirt too. But the other one is just from Charlie and that whole entirety of that. And it was so weird because – you know, going into this, you feel like we, we know NoCo. Like we've we've cracked the code. We figured out like okay, what's making them tick? And sure, they had a couple lineup changes that you mm-hmm. know were were in the mix. But one of their lineup changes was their goalkeeper, who didn't even get tested by us in the first half, except yeah. for like one time. And it just kind of felt like we were not not sharp. And it's so weird to see the stark contrast between the first 20 minutes of the Greenville match versus the first 20 minutes of the NOCO yep. match. And it's just like two completely different teams. And I don't necessarily think it was anything like, Oh, we're missing Tariq. And so now we're, we're just helpless because Tariq's an amazing player, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that was the the thing that put us in that mode. I think that sometimes we just are in that mode. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And obviously we've had our own sort of lineup changes and formation shifts even a little bit, but well, it does seem like if you if we just played all of our matches from like the 65th minute on to the I don't know toward the end of the match, like we'd be the best team in the league. And if we played that at home, then we'd be undefeated. So it's like for yeah. whatever reason, it just takes us. And some of that are fresh legs coming in, right? Like there's obviously a correlation yeah. there, but just a little bit of that sense of urgency that you know I guess when you look at the clock and you're five minutes into a match and you can kind of settle into it a little bit. Um, it's a little different than when you're down three to two and there's five minutes left and now you kind of got your hair on fire. So obviously you're going to look a little bit more, um, I guess, aggressive, but uh, you know, to your point, the, the Greenville match looked like a different team than what we saw against NOCO. And that's kind of yeah. strange because to your earlier point, we've played them really well in two matches already. So, um, I think it just goes back to, a you know, it's a, it's a preparation thing from, from a coach's standpoint. It's a, a mindset thing from a player standpoint, because you know that the talent is, is right there. Um, and, you know, I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the younger guys on the team, but it was kind of neat seeing, 
uh, Kimball Jackson's first start and then Josh Head getting his yes. first um, experience as well. So that, you know, th those were both kind of positive signs, I think. That was that was really cool to see. And I think that, you know, not to get too far off course here, but like I feel that having Kimball start, I feel like that's just like the natural progression of where we need to be going. And I know like I, I did a, a poll on all the different social medias being like, okay, what do you see the role for the young players being as we go forward in the season? And, you know, most people tended to say like um, maybe more backup or they're, they're there just in case. And then like the next up was like maybe one to two appearances a game. Not many people chose starting, especially not more than two players starting. And I know that we had playoffs technically on the line and technically they still are. It's not like it's not a no go at this point, but I feel it's important to get players at those valuable experiences um, yeah. before, you know, we get too deep because at the end of the day, they're going to presumably be our future. Like, I mean, ne next year, hopefully we will see more starts from some of these young players and there'll be more of a, a cog in the machine because they've had this time to develop behind the scenes. And now's the time to develop in action and, and see what happens. And of course, a lot of that comes from, you know, what's happening in training, you know, how is everybody meshing? Where's everybody at as far as how they view their role. And I, I feel that there's a lot to come from Kimball. I feel like there's a lot to come from Josh. At least I hope so. I'm excited about seeing, you know, where that takes us. You know, we've already seen, you know, one of our young players really start to gel and and have a game routinely. Uh, and that, you know, Eric, right? Eric, yep. I love his style of play. I think he's great. And I think that he is barely tapped his potential. So I can't wait to see what comes of him. But, you know, kind of yeah. regressing back to your your other point about us kind of switching our, our flow and stuff. I think that that's sometimes our strength and sometimes our weakness. I've noticed that a lot of times, like our, our ending switch ups around the 65th, 70th minute, that's either like our we're coming in and we're going to just completely lay it on you now because teams mm -hmm. can't adjust to that new setup. Or sometimes it's like we have been laying it on a team and then we make those switches and then all of a sudden we lose like the gas it's yeah. like we cannot have both we can't have our cake and eat it too <laughs> with that yeah but nonetheless you know i do like a lot of our changes that we do late because i feel like it adds a completely different character to oh, yeah. who we are and makes it hard for teams to adjust on the fly to that even if they kind of know it's probably coming yeah i mean my favorite one of my favorite players on and off the field is khalid um mm -hmm. i mean he's just an absolute monster when yeah. we were doing his announcement his highlight reel was my absolute favorite to watch i mean he's just yes a man among boys he's in, but he's like you know the nicest guy you'll ever meet but when he right. comes on and when soso comes on there is a little bit of a different gear and i think that um is important but what i think has never really been settled or um i guess where we've never found a good groove match to match maybe it works one match and not the next is figuring out that midfield combination what's going to yeah. unlock that the the forwards up top because you know Khalid and Soso are gonna their work rate is I mean Soso's work rate is through the roof Khalid yes. is Khalid is I, I still can't he looks so slow because of how big he is and I cannot believe how how much finesse and touch he has for someone his size yes. and then just his ability um to possess the ball I mean he earned that penalty uh last night because of that his first touch right and, and you're just yes. like someone this big shouldn't be able to do these things but I think figuring out some of those midfield combinations, you know, early on in the year, obviously Pierre couldn't play because of the, the visa issue. 
um, yeah. which they finally got cleared up. So he comes in, makes an impact, but it's 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 figuring out what between you know Pila, Pierre, you know Charlie, obviously the captain, and, and Don, you know what's going to unlock this attack a little bit more uh, because I yeah. think a lot of times, you know, and maybe it's because it's their more natural position, but I feel like a lot of times we have three holding midfielders out there, and it's like we got to start yes. figuring out ways to kind of move the ball up the pitch a little bit more. Um, that's just obviously from one one fan's perspective. But um, so, yeah, I think figuring out some of those midfield combinations along with mm-hmm. the wingers and, and Tate and, and Nico um, to kind of unlock that attack, because, you know, obviously we don't, I don't think we have too much of a problem when you look at the totality of scoring goals, but it's almost mm-hmm. like when we need them, they're, sometimes they're hard to come by. Yeah, I agree 100%. And like speaking to that midfield combination, one of the coolest combinations I feel like we ran out was I really liked the second time we played NoCo. And like the first part of the game, the switch off with Mane and Pilo, how they were just like mm-hmm. both just being super aggressive, but they were taking turns being aggressive. And it was really throwing NoCo off because like one would press real aggressive, like get up in the keeper's face and the other one would drop. And then all of a sudden they'd shift and do the opposite. And I thought that was kind of a cool little flow to the game that really, I feel gave us an edge at some points. And you're right. It's just about unlocking these things at the right time and making things happen. And it feels like sometimes we just can't like we, we're just unlucky in some ways and luck has to a lot to do with it. I feel <laughs> like I feel like sometimes it is just luck. Yeah. It's just the way things fall. And it's just like, are you in a good position where you can hit this ball like you need to? Or did it come at you and you're awkward and now you're trying to figure out how you can get your body in the right position to do something with this? So it, I think that it can come and I think it'll work. I still feel like there could be some more experimenting to be done. Um, I've liked the the Nico Brown experiment with him being a striker. That's been really cool to see him up there because I feel like he was producing so many goals. Part of me kind of would like to see him out wide a little bit more because I think that's something that maybe we've been missing or not really missing, but he's not been able to capitalize on is his speed as much by being up front and in the middle. I feel like him being in that new position it's just like he has to do these little short bursts here and there, which he can do. But I think where he really burns teams is whenever he catches them like midfield and then it's a foot race to get down to like the corner. And he just, yeah. he wears people out. He wears them out. And and I think that that really helps us in the long run because then now you have like these players on the wings for the opposite team that are just huffing. Like, they just cannot keep up. And then of course that's going to allow other players to make some stuff happen. But yeah, you know, it's I know it's all a, a big experiment and you can't experiment too much. You can't just move people around randomly whenever the wind blows, right. because then nobody ever gets settled and really, you know, gets set in a way that they can be impactful. But I don't know. So things I think about sometimes. Yeah, he's one that I think, you know, obviously there's not too many foot races that Nico Brown's not going to win. But mm-hmm. I think one of the things and we saw a team. And of course, now it's going to escape me. Um, you know, find an advantage where they liked their right winger against Tariq in a specific matchup, right? And yeah. it's like they kept hammering that. They kept hammering that because Tariq obviously is a player that likes to play forward. He's great at crossing and all that. But you know, when you consistently ask this left back that likes to move up a little bit, and you consistently ask them to defend, to defend, to defend, eventually you feel like you're going to 
take advantage of that. And, yeah. and so I think that's something that maybe like a Nico um, could really take advantage of is if you, if you see that one-on-one matchup, you know, just because it might not work the first in the first 10 to 15 minutes, you know, if you can, if you can continuously attack those one-on-one situations to kind of create maybe a two-on-one, um, you know, with the test or, or maybe a Pierre who's running forward, um, mm-hmm. you know, that could be something that, that like you mentioned with Nico on the wing could be a little bit more potent, I guess, than, than what we have seen. But, you know, I think the one that unlocks all this is, is Tate Robertson, right. Who's, yeah. who's been able to, to really put a special season together. And I, and you know, when yes. I go back to, and this is kind of the benefit of being on the inside of it, where I got to sit down with Sam, look at his whiteboard of dozens of players back in, you know, November and December and, just kind of pick his brain on how he's putting this team together. And, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize, and and I have a, I have a pretty good relationship with all the players on the team. So I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but you know, a lot of the guys on this team were, were players that other teams either looked over, um, didn't want, maybe discarded in a certain way. Um, and so when you look at, you know, some of the, one of the announcements we made over the summer was with the Skylab, you know, studios who does the scouting and those type of things. When you look at a player like Tate Robertson, like that's the story of like, you know, he was playing in a lower level, played at a, I guess you would consider mid-major D1. And is a player that can really have an impact at this level and probably even at a level higher too. So it's just, it was, it's really cool seeing some of these guys, you know, from the start where you're like, where did this guy come from? You know, and it's like, how, how did nobody else have this guy on their radar? Um, because it wasn't right. easy recruiting players to – it's not easy recruiting for a startup team, right? Like, you know, hey, we're not going to play – we're not going to play in a stadium that's ours, and, you know, we don't know how our fans are going to react because we've never played before and this and that, so it's hard to, like, recruit. But, um, yeah, you know, he's he's a story, I think, of, that can be one of, of success, um, you know, for our club in, in year one. I 100% agree. In fact, he's one of the ones that – I get a little scared sometimes when I think about the end of the season because I'm like, okay, who's coming to poach this man from us? Like, you know, yeah. there, there's a few on the team that 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 crosses my mind because you know our team's going to look different next season, and it's not always it because of like bad reasons. It, it's it's they're going to be some good reasons for those individuals, and you know, and at the end of the day, their success also speaks to our success in a way because they were part of our story, we were part of their development, and so that's that's cool to see. And I I will cheer for every single player that leaves and Mm -hmm. goes on to do bigger, better things. But there's always going to be that little piece of me. That's just like, but don't you just want to stay in green with us, (laughs) you know, and and it's hard not to be that way. You know, and I, you know, I'm one of those people I get attached to players and, you know, especially in my current circumstance where I actually like meet some of them and talk to them. It's even harder, but you know, he's one that I'm just like, man, this guy bigger, better things probably on the horizon for him. Yeah. And he's, he's one that has positional, um, you know, I guess versatility. And, and, yeah. and I do, I, I can say that is something that, you know, because when I was, <laughs> I was coming up with the graphics for when we announced these players and I'd ask Sam, like, what position is he? You know, he'd be like, well, he's a, you know, he's a defender and a midfielder. And I'm like, what? Like, no, I need, I, what position is he? And, and a lot of these guys were recruited for that reason because Sam loves players that yeah. have positional versatility. I mean, he, you know, there, there aren't very many players on the roster that you could really stick in one spot. And that's why I think, I mean, Tate started the season at left back, obviously moved up a little bit, but other than, yeah. you know, Kalen Fox and a couple of the more 
you know, I guess Cesar and, and Eric too, in a sense of the center back, you know, everyone else has, it feels like they've moved somewhere right on the pitch, yeah. but um, yeah, it, just to go back to your earlier point, players will move on. Um, I think one of the, 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 you know, it's a business type of thing. Right. And that's where um, a lot of athletes will, you know, will say, well, Hey, it's a business, you know, um, and in soccer, it, it is uniquely part of the business of selling players, right? Like that is yeah. what, what Louisville was able to do with Josh Winder. That not only is that good for him, but that is money that Louisville City can spend, right, on their operations, on their roster. And so it's part of it. That's why you hope that a player like Kimball at his age can continue to grow and develop and move on to bigger and better things. And we get a paycheck and, you know, he gets to – see where his career can take him. So, you know, it, it is a bit of a balance when you want to compete, but you also, you know, want to see these guys succeed. And, um, you know, like I said, it's part of the, it, it's, to me, it's, it's a little bit of a legacy thing too. And it's kind of a recruiting piece when you see like Louisville city sends a, mm-hmm. you know, a player over to Portugal to play. And it's like, Hey, look what we can do for you from an academy yeah. perspective and things like that. Yeah, hundred percent. It like legitimizes your club in, in, in sure. any way, and I, that's what excites me about it. That's how I comfort myself whenever I think about <laughs> some of these players leaving. I'm like, man, I'm probably not going to see you next year, but I'll get to yeah. watch you do something in this place, and then everybody will always link you back and be like, yeah, whenever they played for LSC, and I'm like, that's yep. right, they did. And then just don't just go to not hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, stay. With it. That's one that like I dread more than anything is like anytime a player that I like goes to a rival team, I, I'm just like, why? Why does it have to be this way? <laughs> but and you're like, that won't happen because I did say like, bigger and better things. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good point. Got him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, nah, man, I'm not even from America. I don't have allegiances like like you do. You're like, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're like, I just gotta do what I gotta do. And I'm like, fine, whatever. It's not like yeah. you're dead to me. Uh yeah. so I it, it's exciting. And you know. Maybe rounding back to the youth thing, man, with us having so many youth players, we've seen them all featured at some point in the season, some early on, some are starting to get more features now. Where are playoff hopes stand right now? Like, we, we got to be real. Like, I'm, I'm as hopeful as the next person. It could happen. It could. I'm not going to say it can't. It Perfect storm. It, like, weirder things have happened. But at the same time, no matter if playoffs are on the table or not, going forward with featuring some of these youth players, I feel is, is kind of necessary. So in your mind, as we go through these last six games or so, are we, are we starting, you know, just one, do we start a couple, do we feature, you know, a handful, like what, what do you see or what are you thinking in, in your mind about that? That's a great question. Um, and, and two parts really for me, one, when you specifically talk about Kimball Jackson and uh, Eric Seha Gonzalez, I'll never forget talking to Sam after the brutal Central Valley loss, two to one, you know, we were a man up for most of the match and couldn't Mm -hmm. come away with the win there. Those were the office that next week. Those were not the best times (laughs) to, to, to just be around. And, um, but God love him, Sam, you know, he's probably the most positive person I've ever met, but I had a conversation with him in, in a couple other folks in the office and, and he was speaking so highly of Kimball and Eric, uh, who to that point really hadn't played much, but he yeah. envisioned, he envisioned this new 
formation that would require two wingbacks necessarily like specifically to mm-hmm. be able to run and move and and he thought that these two young different positions but these two younger uh players could fulfill those roles uh and we saw that a lot last night with Kimball making runs all the way up and he actually had a yeah. really nice cross in the second half that I thought was um that was good just a pinpoint pass that you kind of so anyway you get he he's you know he's not going to start a player just because oh he's 18 years old let's throw him in there um he you know mm-hmm. they they brought him all here for a reason and and I think those two specifically have have kind of proven themselves um in Kimball a little bit more lately I guess with his uh first USL appearance last week and then um and, and then getting a start yesterday and by the way that week they made those changes was the 3-0 victory against Omaha so I mean you know it kind of shows how this team can bounce back really quick but to answer your question yeah. about you know to me it's I think you I think you can pick and choose spots um, if it's if you want to, you know, start Kimball at that right wing back. Um, you know, I know we, we haven't seen Diallo rostered too much um, mm-hmm. this season. He, he was rostered uh, for the good good part of the first, you know, third or so of the season. Um, yeah. same, with Drew, same with Drew Patterson. We haven't seen him um, yeah. too much. But, you know, to me, I, I still think – I think you you put the best product you can out there until yeah until it's the season's over. I mean, I, that's just whether you think it's a young person that is going to be part of the best best product. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not starting a player for the sake of starting him and getting experience. And, and I'll tell you one reason why. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think will only continue to grow. And we kind of hinted at it earlier. And it's because of the USL Academy. So yeah, you know, we have a team and the ability to get these guys minutes. It's not the same. It's not, you know, USL League One. The, the lights aren't quite as bright. The, you know, the stakes aren't quite as high. But um, on Sunday, our academy team played uh, Cleveland Force, and Austin Causey started in goal. Uh, yeah. Kimball Jackson, Kimball Jackson started, and Josh Head started. So, you know, with the academy, you can play three of your uh, senior team players at any given point. Um mm-hmm. And so it's getting those minutes and, and for the player and for the player's market marketability, it's about game tape and, and match mm-hmm. tape. And they're getting that with the mm-hmm. Academy. So again, not the same uh, level of competition, but it gives you that ability to, Oh, and by the way, see some really good players in our 06 and 07 class. I mean, yeah, there's going to be names coming through that I'm really excited about, but um, I, I think when, when you have the academy, you get you get a chance for them to put some tape together and get some match experience. And I, I but I think for the for the senior team, I, I think you're putting your best best product out there. Finish as strong mm-hmm. as you can this season. That's just me. No, I love that answer, man. And uh, didn't they win by the way? Six one, wasn't six, six zero? Yeah, six zero. There we go. Okay, I don't know where I got the yeah. one from. We're gonna erase that. I said that, but no, 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 it was one. It was six one. You're right. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but and, and that's the. It's a good point because I actually went and watched the academy play a few weeks back, and like mm-hmm. Drew was featured, and so was I think it was Diallo, and then Kimball. They were all playing. Yeah, and so it's cool to see them get those minutes because those aren't bad teams. Like you said, lights, maybe not as bright, but they're not bad teams that they're playing off against. You know, we're seeing these Academy products that are coming through for other teams and they're legit. 
you know? Well, and, yeah. And I'll tell you on, on the 17th, we host Louisville city's Academy team um, at Toyota mm-hmm. stadium. I mean, this is, these are great opportunities for fans. You know, if you want to see sort of who's next and a lot of these kids too are high school, I say kids, cause a lot of them are in high school still. And so yeah. some of your uh, Henry Clay's got an absolutely stacked team this year. You know, three yes. of their better players are on the Academy team. So if you're just a fan of local soccer, they're, they're pretty fun matches. But anyway, play Louisville City on the 17th. But last fall, uh, we played Louisville City, and it, it did not go well. But they started, yeah. you know, they started Carlos Miguel and Elijah Winder. And so, you know, if you're a fan of USL Championship, you realize, like, oh, these are two. I mean, Winder ended up scoring the game winner in the Eastern Conference Finals that same fall. So yep. this isn't that far removed from, you know, being one of these guys because, you know, Elijah wasn't getting minutes on the on the senior team. So he comes in and plays for the academy. And, you know, before before you know it, he's and, – and Miguel, too, has kind of turned into a pretty solid player. So um, I wouldn't discount that, you know, everyone, everyone sees the senior team. You see just the matches that are being played. But there's a lot that goes on um, with, the, with the academy team that I think can, can't be forgotten when you talk about youth players and their development. 100%. And even like NCFC has had some of their youth players pull up and then be impactful. You know, same thing. We're talking about Richmond. They just, you know, had one of their youth players. I uh, forget his name. It's escaping me right now, but I believe his dad played for Richmond at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's killing me, but I think he even scored. And so, you know, the, these are young kids, like you said, but they're also like butting into soccer players that can compete at a high level and, he, that's experience at the end of the day, yep. I, you know, and I, I totally agree with you. I would love to see Kimball at least get another start or two, but definitely some more features throughout the rest of the season. Cause I think that he he's got it. I feel like this past game, he wasn't as aggressive as, as like I'm used to seeing him maybe in the Academy matches, but I think that's also just a matter of like finding your flow, finding your mm-hmm. place out there whenever the game's actually rolling. And I think that that's going to start appearing more and more. And, you know, as you said, it's not necessarily just like trot out whoever, you know, because you don't do that with anybody, let alone like the young players, because yeah, you do that and then you're, you're a confidence breaker. <laughs> you know, if they're, exactly. if they're not ready, you don't want to, you don't want to crush them with pressure before they're ready for the pressure. And so as much as like, I really, really want to see more youth going forward just to get some minutes for some of them. I, I'm with you. I want them to be ready. I want them to be determined to like, this is the right time for you. And it's not right. just going to like cause you to crumble and, and not be equipped for this moment. Because, yeah. you know, if, if we are going to keep some of these guys and then be part of our future and, and hopefully something that can create an impact. And then we could eventually like sell off to a bigger team, then get good opportunities, us get paid for it. Then we don't want to dismantle what we're building before we even start building it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I do think, yeah. And I think some of it is, you know, they're, they're very intentional with how they construct these, you know, they don't just throw names on a dartboard and hope something works out. But yeah, I, you know, I think part of the part of the, you know, if you want to see one of these younger players just get the opportunity, to me, it is uh, obviously when when you select them on the bench, you can only have seven bench players. But I think yeah. you know maybe the opportunity instead is to get to find Drew more chances to be on the reserves, or to find to give mm-hmm. Diallo some more chances to be in the reserves because then you're suited up 
you're, you may be a little bit more in tune to the match as opposed to, you know, the, if you're not rostered, so now we, we have, with 23 on the roster, five of them are not going to make that 18-player yeah. cut, and they aren't allowed to sit on the uh, sidelines, by the way. So they're up in the stands. Um, you know, just human nature, you're probably not as tuned in. You're not as, as locked in. So I think if the opportunity, you know, if, if you were someone that could, you know, get five minutes with Sam and say, here's what I would think, then then maybe the route would be, start you know rostering them maybe toward the end of the season now and and obviously you're you know there's chances when they come off the bench maybe that's where they're more comfortable um yeah but worst case they're maybe a little bit more locked into the match itself and and kind of getting some of those reps um because it's different you know it's you're yeah you're just it's not gonna be the same when you're you're gonna be a little bit more tuned out and uh, when you're not part of the roster. And so I, you know, maybe that's one way as well that, you know, like I said, a fan could, could kind of say, Hey, let's, you know, let's get them a little bit more playing time, but it's easier said than done. I think when, when these coaches are trying to win games, I mean, it's a job. So. It's true. Like, you know, cause at the end of the day, you do want the best record and, you know, a lot of the, the senior players you probably pay decent money for, and you don't want to just have them sitting around, you know, and if they're ready. And if they're capable and if this is, you know, if they're the best fit for a match in a position and a circumstance, you, you don't want to just be like, well, I'm actually just going to sit you. Because, I mean, the youth players, like you said, being on the bench and being locked in, them watching some of these players in action and and being like, OK, I'm here. I'm now. This is my job at this moment You go because I could go in at any moment. Who knows what's going to happen? I think that makes a big difference. But, you know, it's it's still cool to see like some of the mentorships that's that have gone on and stuff i've kind of noticed i don't know maybe there's not much there but i feel like i've noticed when, sitting where i sit up in the front i've noticed a lot of like you know cesar shouting out to eric pretty routinely yeah. so that kind of is cool to see maybe that there might be i mean maybe i'm reading too much into it but maybe a little bit of a mentorship going on there because i mean position for position it matches and you have experience with somebody that's newer to the game and so that's uh that's neat seeing that type of stuff in action yeah, Cesar is actually uh, – he's he's what you – he's your t- classic locker room, or I guess they would call it changing room guy, um, just from yeah. being around the club. He was – he's been invaluable, um, obviously, on the pitch, you know, maybe not as much just because he's been in and out of the lineup. But um, his leadership, and that's where you're like, okay, obviously, he's a professional. You know, that's where I think that, you know, him, Don Smart, Charlie, like these – you need those type of players. But I would yeah. also say, too, you know, we talked a lot about youth players to this point, and we've mentioned Kimball and Diallo. And the, but a lot of the regulars on this team, I mean, we're not talking about players that are in their prime. I mean, Atess is 23, right? He's yeah. not even into his prime yet. Uh, Pila's right. 24. So you got Nico, 25. Um, you know, so the, it, it, it's not like a bunch of – Don Smart's out there. No offense to Don. He's my, he's my guy, but um, you know, so, so when you talk about youth, it, it's a pretty young team in general. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's something there too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's a good point to make. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to, to think of them as, as being a lot older than they are because mm-hmm. of like the, the inclusion regularly and, and maybe just, I don't know. I think sometimes people are like, Oh, but yeah, he's 24. And it's like, yeah, but 24 is pretty young. I'd be all right with being 24 again. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And, <laughs> no, I know. And I don't, you know, there's scientists could probably tell you like your soccer prime, that's when you're starting your soccer prime, really. It's yes. not like, you know, 
track and field and cross country, some of these sports where your prime is really your kind of late teens, early twenties, but they're, you know, yeah. different sports are all different when, when, when you peak. Um, and so, and obviously every person is different too, but I mean, Jalen James, obviously he's a guy who's kind of falling out of favor, but he's 23. Um, yeah. so, you know, there's, there, there are guys like that, that, you know, you can't necessarily count out. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, with, uh, in Austin Causey too, um, who's, who just got his, uh, first appearance with the Academy team. Cause they've been playing, uh, Luke, who they like a lot, the 16 year old Academy kid, but, um, yeah. There's some young players even in the regular lineup too. I tell you what, man. Like, I just wish I was the 35 year old Don Smartes. Like, I'm only 34, <laughs> but still, like, just like watching him, I'm just like, how? How do you do this? Like, how? How are you, as a 35 year old, crushing it on the field for 90 plus minutes, and then I'm sitting here and like one of my kids jumps on me and something pops <laughs> in my bot, my back, and then I'm just like done for the day or the next six. Oh man. <laughs> well, I do think Jamaicans are wired differently. So there's, that's part of it. But, um, you know, he said he's going to play till, till the wheels fall off. So he's, um, you know, I, I say he's got plenty of miles left, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not going to put a cap on it. No, it's wild. Dude. I, I, uh, I feel like we had some awesome conversations and, uh, man, this went to, I think maybe one of my longer episodes because it was so good. I, I I loved everything we talked about, man. Uh, I love where everything's going. I don't want to hold you up too much longer on your Thursday night, um, but I'm looking forward to to our partnership, man. And then and people being able to hear from you more often, and then your unique insights and and all of that, dude. So I really appreciate you coming on and also wanting to join me on this journey with all of this. I'm excited, man. You know, the one thing I thought this podcast needed was another bald guy with reddish uh with a reddish beard so you know yes now we got two so um no i I appreciate it this is uh i've had a blast this evening i can't wait to you know there's there are different ideas and different uh content ideas that i that i've got that i know we've talked about some and um i'm just excited to to really continue to uh, you know, I think when necessary, be a little critical, but for the most part, you know, be, be here for the team and, and for the club. I think it's, it's great. I hope we will do a little bit more on the youth side. I know. And then, I mean, man, once the super league comes along, it's, it's, you know, it's a whole new world. So um, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah content's going to explode at that point. So that's why another reason why I was so hyped because I was like, okay, <laughs> I need help. <laughs> like this is only going to get, bigger and bigger and bigger even with like the w league going on i was like all right i yeah. can do this i can talk about the w league Ooh. and i was like no i can, i am struggling right now <laughs> to, league two to, league to two next year as well so yes yeah. that's the other one that i saw and i was like this is gonna get a lot quick and so you know it's it's gonna be awesome having some other people involved <laughs> and, and helping me out with this dude because otherwise i just I don't know where it would go and I would probably drown pretty quick because I mean, I've even told you in conversations, I've had to cut out a few things here and there just because yeah. of my life, you know, got two kids, a wife and a full-time job. And before long you start thinking, okay, like what do I need to trim back on? Because it got to the yeah. point where I had my hand in too many pots and everything was getting a little too diluted. And so I was like, okay, let's just focus on these key things that I can do somewhat well, or at least tell myself I'm doing them well. And then go from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, keep it fun. Once it, once it stops being fun, then, then, you know, it's time to, to jump out. But um, until then, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, for the ride. So let's, yeah. you know, we'll keep it going. we got some new branding coming out, which, you know, should be cool. And 
um i'm excited you know some other some other pieces too that i think people will like some people probably heard you also say that you maybe can be a little bit more critical and people are like oh finally <laughs> they're probably gonna be like glad that instead of me just oh, being like hey you guys have you heard about how great lsc is Did yeah you know that Don Smart is basically my best friend because we're both bald. Like it, it, they're gonna be happy to hear somebody be like, "Hold on a second, like slow you're down like, actually, on this one." Yeah, you're like, actually, actually, the the growing rate of Georgetown is like you you'd be surprised. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I know, um, right? Yeah, but, so you know. It, it's it's not all like I said. We wear a lot of rose colored lenses, which is good, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Well, Kyle, man, thanks for joining me. Everybody, you'll be hearing from Kyle more often. Like he said, we got some new branding coming out that I'm super excited to to release. Um, if you don't like it, I don't like you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, hopefully you guys like it. I think it's awesome. I think yeah, it, you, it, you it, could uh, you can go. It's at Crane Kicks Lex if you don't like it. Exactly. Just just DM me. Uh, I promise not to block you, or I probably will. Who, who knows? But. Uh, <laughs> Thanks again, Kyle. Everybody out there, thanks for joining us for this episode and hanging in for an extra long one. Um, until next time, take it easy.